Hey everybody, it's David Berkus. I am so excited. My new book, Under New Management, launches in just a few short months. If you want to get a special preview of the book and find out more about it, I've put together some awesome previews and pre-order bonuses for first movers. To get on that list, text first mover to 33444. That's first mover, all one word, to 33444, or go to first mover. Now, on to this episode of the Leader Lab Podcast. This is Aaron Olson. And this is B.K. Simerson. And you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? Well, I'll go first. Uh, I am Aaron Olson, and uh, I am the chief talent officer at Aon. Uh, If you don't know Aon, uh, we are a professional services firm in two industries, uh, the risk management industry and the human resources industry. Uh, And so I've been leading talent management here for several years, um, which is what I've done with most of my career uh, outside of my academic work. And I'm BK Simerson, and I am a solo practitioner. I am affiliated with several professional services firms. But I typically work with corporations, professional services firms, and government agencies around issues around strategy, change, and leadership. Yeah, and then maybe to talk a bit about how BK and I got here together, uh, six years ago, uh, we were invited to create a class uh, at Northwestern University uh, for a graduate program there called the Masters in Learning and Organizational Change. Uh, And the, the request was to create a class on the topics of leadership and strategy. So we, we started teaching together uh, six years ago. Uh, uh, we have been working on that class ever since, and it was about a year ago that we started to really uh, put a focus on putting some of our thoughts from the class in writing. Uh, that's what led to the book. And the book is uh, Leading with Strategic Thinking. It's if you uh, have followed Leader Lab for a long time or even just you know one episode, you know that our sort of big three call them core values, core topics, or, or just the things that we sort of geek out on, our leadership, innovation, and strategy. And so obviously this book comes across my desk that says leading with strategic thinking. Uh, it's perfect. It's right at the intersection of these two things. And I, I'll, I'll confess to you, actually, initially, I was incredibly skeptical because usually when someone feels like they can simplify leadership or strategy, that means they're cutting a ton of nuance out and just giving you sort of their personal Um, Well, actually what you would call sort of that visionary type, but just their personal perspective or their personal insight on the issue. And uh, this was not what I found in the book. It's It's a wonderful sort of synthesis of where the research is in a variety of different areas from strategic thinking to uh, the different schools of leadership theory and uh, the art of leadership and, uh, and all of those sort of things all kind of mixed into one. And honestly, I guess my biggest, before we get into a bunch of different stuff, I guess my biggest question for both of you is, what took you so long? I mean, leadership and strategy together in a book, it, it seems like it's this core material that like we should have been talking about 50 years ago, and yet yours is the first book to actually cover the nuance and in-depth in sort of one book. I think too often we, we put them into two different classes, maybe, that you take in your curriculum, and as such, people see them as different disciplines. Well, I think that's actually why we finally decided to put the time into writing something. Uh, we didn't, that was not our first plan. You know, we got into this teaching, uh, and, uh, as practitioners, uh, during our day jobs and, uh, individuals who spend our evenings in the classroom, you know, I think it, it only became clear to us after, uh, a couple of years that we had a unique perspective 
uh, by just naturally looking at these two topics together. And I think that's when we realized that you know there wasn't really anything out there that looked at the integration of the two. And we started to get that feedback, you know, both from our students in the classroom, uh, but also, you know, from professional colleagues. And it was actually an individual, uh, a good friend of ours from Harvard, you know, who first made the suggestion that maybe there was a good book in here somewhere and, uh, you know, made some introductions that led to us, um, you know, really moving forward with this. Um, you know, I, there is sort of a story, I think, of how some of our thoughts on it emerged. But maybe, BK, you want to add a bit about, you know, you know, how you think we came to, you know, look at these two topics and the way they relate? Sure both with our students as well as with our clients, we started seeing that we were having questions and comments that led us to a conclusion that, uh, in essence, leadership without strategic thinking lacks focus, and strategic thinking without leadership lacks impact. Uh, so, Nair and I, we conducted a review of the literature to see if there were any uh, good books, articles out there that combine the two. And when we discovered that we had books that really focused on the strategy, we had other books that focused on leadership, we saw that there was an opportunity to combine the two. And, and like you point out, our book is not a deep dive into the history of leadership, for example. Uh, what we try to do is provide an overview, almost an abbreviated history of leadership, to set the context for how strategy helps guide leaders in terms of their thinking and their behavior. Hmm. And, and I agree. I mean, that, but what, what I find is so interesting is, like we talked about earlier, that those deep dives have existed. I mean, I'm, I'm staring at my bookshelf at tons of textbooks on strategy, tons of textbooks on leadership, and all of them sort of, all, all of those different uh, books sort of nod their head to the idea of integration, but none of them actually kind of do it. And I, the only people that I've seen attempt to do it you know, before are kind of those just practitioners, those people who are a sample size of one, you know, and they're just telling you how they did it. And those are great, and we can learn a ton from those, but we also need that sort of research. And this, that, actually, that actually brings us another cool thing about the book is that after you dive into the well-researched perspectives and the different types of strategic leadership, you've got examples that would be if we went out to read those. I call them CEO memoirs, right? those types of books. So you've got the case studies there too. Let's um, let's start off with this this word. We, we've been talking about strategic thinking. We've been talking about leadership. Later, we'll talk about strategic leadership, which is this whole other definitional kind of problem. And let's just arrive at this uh, this concept of strategic thinking. You know, any, anybody that took a grad, uh, you know, had an undergrad business degree or did an MBA gets familiar with this concept of like strategy as Michael Porter and rote analysis and that sort of stuff. But strategy actually has a much broader nature to it, specifically this concept of strategic thinking and, and adding that strategy element to your thinking. What are some of the, the influences on this concept of strategic thinking that you draw from in the book? Yeah, I, I will start off by saying I, I think what we tried to find was the underlying components that, uh, you know, constitute strategic thinking without burdening it with being applied to in any one way. And you used Porter as a great example. Uh, that's a, a fantastic model. You know, all of Porter's work is a great way to do competitive strategy in a really structured manner. Uh, but strategic thinking applies there, and it applies in other areas where, you know, a person might have an opportunity to lead in ways that really have nothing to do with applying, you know, Porter's concepts, you know, in a strict, uh, uh, in a strict way, but rather, you know, are, are about some of the more fundamental uh, abilities that go along with strategic thinking. So, you know, we actually define the activities, you know, that we see as strategic thinking as three things. Uh, one is recognizing patterns. Two is 
making decisions, and three is then managing risks. And you know, those are the behaviors that we list, and then we, we tried to sort of take an academic perspective on how to do those three things well, and maybe BK, you can talk about some of the you know, things that we highlight as the components of uh, thinking strategically uh, in an effective manner. Sure. Our review of the literature as well as our interview and working with 300 leaders around the world led us to conclude that there are three factors that really contributes to an individual having that strategic perspective, uh, that strategic orientation. And those factors really represent the intersection of three disciplines, uh, the cognitive psychology, systems thinking, and game theory. Uh, we discovered that cognitive psychology is important because it helps individuals uncover their biases and blind spots. And more importantly, or equally importantly, it helps them ask the right questions. It helps them broaden their questions. It helps them deepen their questions. Uh, in terms of system thinking, it really helps us recognize that uh, there are numerous connections in our complex reality. And it helps sensitize us to how a change in one area might impact other interconnected areas. And, and then finally, game theory, it helps us understand that our decisions and actions do not occur in a vacuum, that they will impact and influence others. They will respond and react in a particular way, and their response will either help or impede our effort, our intent, our strategic imperative. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think you need that synthesis of of the variety of different perspectives of looking at it. I, so often, and I don't, I blame business schools a, a lot for a lot of this, which is ironic because I teach in one. Um, but you know, we we teach the analysis. We I think most often we come at it from a game theory approach. Here's what here's what our competitors are doing. This is what we're going to do, or here's what we're going to do, and what we predict our competitors are going to do. And that somewhat borrows from systems thinking, but really not as much, especially when you think about how you're going to roll this new strategic direction out to the whole organization, what effect it's going to have, maybe what blind spots you had, like from the, the cognitive psychology. And like you said earlier, uh, strategy without leadership lacks impact, right? Because it, does, it lacks the ability to sort of see those things and then actually get kind of everyone involved. Toward that end, one of the kind of the, the meat of the book to me, I guess, coming from, I mean, I literally, my doctorate says strategic leadership on it, right? So anytime those two words come up, uh, I'm intrigued, right? And so coming from that, that, elm, that realm, you outlined sort of what you call four different types of strategic leadership. And I think this is really cool because I, I, it's really easy, especially in strategy, to think one word, uh, one perspective on strategy is the right one. I think it's even easier in leadership. I think we have so much leadership literature out there that's not necessarily evidence-based that says, you know, here's what you're supposed to do. But I love this idea that when you look at at the nuances of strategy and the nuances of leadership, you arrive at these four different types, the visionary, the directive, the incubating, and the collaborative. Of course, from my background, I'm always a big fan of the incubating and collaborative ones, uh, but I'm also a fan of the visionary and directive. Let's, let's talk about each in turn a little bit and sort of how they differ and maybe throw in an example of kind of for each one, here's a, a leader that most of the listeners would be familiar with that exemplifies this type. Yeah. First, maybe I want to comment on your and reinforce your point on you know leadership being defined in a simple way that often you know regresses to the mean. I actually think one of the things that really stood out to me as we did this work was that most companies and and most individuals, most authors, you know, end up defining leadership in a in a fairly general way, where the, so that it always ends up sounding kind of the same. 
And there are some core attributes, I think, and, and skills, you know, that underlie being a good leader. But what we found when we really got into how to lead strategy was that the right way to lead depends on the, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And I think what we really found was you can see these very distinct, different ways of leading, in, you know, reinforced by real examples that we found that show that, you know, the most strategic leaders actually adapt and adjust, you know, to, to accomplish a goal that they're trying to reach. So that's where the four different ways that you've already referred to come from. Um, maybe I can explain a bit of how we came up with the four, and BK, if you want, maybe you could start to you know, provide those examples. But um, you know, we actually frame these four types of leadership using fundamental concepts of strategy. And we decided to sort of boil things down to the two big buckets of, of strategy formation and strategy execution. You know, there's a lot of great thinking and literature on both of those from an academic perspective. And if you oversimplify, they both come down to some basic choices. On the strategy formation side, you really have traditional planned methods for creating strategy, and then you have emergent methods, which are much more, uh, you know, less, less defined up front and more exploratory. So you have, to, you have a choice there. And likewise, in the strategy execution, a lot of things around change management have really highlighted that you, there are top-down ways to drive strategy in a planned and structured way driven by uh, an individual or, or an, uh, a guiding entity, or there's really participative forms of, of change. Uh, and so you can drive and execute strategy in those two ways. You can do it from, some, from the top-down, or you can do it in collaborative, uh, and, uh, uh, in collaborative ways. So those two choices, how are you going to define your strategy and then how are you going to execute it, were the ones that we focused on as questions, and, and those led us to identify these four types. Uh, BK, do you want to talk about the types? Uh, before I talk about the types, I would like to point out that as you are deciding on those two fronts, where your strategy will come from as well as how you will drive strategic change throughout either the organization or the community, there are three factors that we discovered you need to take into consideration. Uh, the first is the role that you're playing. Now, if you're playing the role of a strategic leader or a leader in an organization or a community, there are three fundamental questions that you always need to be thinking about and answering. And those are the questions that your followers are always asking. Uh, one, where are you leading me? Two, why should I follow you? And three, how will you help me get there? Uh, in terms of your context, you should always be considering the requirements, the assumptions and expectations of both your internal culture, your internal community, as well as your external environment. Uh, and in terms of the requirements of the culture, the organization, the environment, uh, along those lines, you should be putting together and communicating a very clear strategic imperative. Uh, for example, if you are dealing with ambiguity, if you're dealing with conflicting cultures, etc., you may want to be more directive than someone else that's wanting to, for example, establish a more inclusive and caring uh, culture or community, for example. Uh, and then finally, in terms of your intent, uh, if you think about Mandela, whenever he took power in South Africa, he wanted to create a more just and inclusive society. And so as he decided on how to decide on the strategy and then drive strategic change throughout his country, he acted accordingly. So it's important that you match your intent with your role, your context, 
and your overall purpose and intent. Uh, but in terms of the types of uh, strategic leaders, we identified the visionary, and the example we use in the book is Walt Disney. The directive, the example we use in the book is an organization, which is GE. In terms of the incubator, uh, we use another organization as an example, 3M. And then in terms of the collaborative leader, we use Mandela. And so those are the four leadership archetypes, as well as four examples that we outline in the book. So uh, long-term listeners of the podcast know that uh, while I love Disney, I'm obviously leaning towards the 3M and the incubation and all of that uh, sort of idea. Anyway, that, that's, that's personal preference, though. I, I love the idea that there's so many different contexts that affect kind of what style. There is, uh, unfortunately, not one size fits all when it comes to strategy or to leadership. And so when you're trying to lead with strategic thinking, there's obviously not one size fits all. Uh, again, it's important to know your people, your objective, and even your own personality on sort of where all of these go. So the book, again, as I said, is Leading with Strategic Thinking, Four Ways. We just talked about them. Effective leaders gain insight, drive change, and get results. The, the book is really solid. Um, it's not. Uh, it, it's this really great book, of, uh, really great combination that happens when something is well-researched but also has really easy to grasp sort of case studies and examples and things that you can um, then take back and apply. So I encourage people to check it out. Uh, we also want to ask you all, uh, Aaron confessed to me uh, before we started recording that he's a, a longtime listener to the show, so he knows what's coming. But I want to ask you both uh, the questions we ask all guests. The first being, what are you reading right now? Uh, BK, do you want to go first or you want me to? Uh, I'll be glad to go first. I'm currently reading a, a book entitled Conversations That Get Results and Inspire Collaboration. Uh, I believe it was published back in 2013. And the author is Sean Hayashi. Uh, and it's a very interesting book in that it provides all the information that you should consider if you're wanting to influence either a small community or, or a project or work team. Uh, very interesting in terms of the things that you need to do to drive that collaboration as well as enable the collaboration. And I've been reading uh, a, a brand new book that uh, came out a couple months ago, Becoming Steve Jobs. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot, you know, written about Steve Jobs uh, these days. So uh, I, it wasn't originally something I was going to, you know, read. I'd already read the er earlier uh, biography. But I actually really got into this because it, it, I, I realized once I started to look at it, it's, a, it's really a story about learning to lead. And uh, a lot of the things that um, are covered in that book about how Steve Jobs went through experiences that taught him uh, how to lead and how he actually had to change the way he led to become uh, the successful executive he was in the latter part of his career, uh, you know, really highlighted a lot of things that we ended up researching, you know, and how, you know, the things that he did at one point in time in his career uh, turned out to not work later on and he had to figure out, you know, how to adapt. Uh, that, that really uh, resonated with me. Yeah, I was actually going to say, there's a if you study the life and career of Steve Jobs, the, he's a perfect example of the nuance needed to actually lead and the flexibility needed to actually lead and our sort of insatiable desire to boil it all down to something simple, right? Because you, you, on the surface level, there's lots of people that say, Steve Jobs did this, and so we have to do this. But when you really dig into his entire career, you see he changed over time and even treated different people different ways. I remember one of my favorite quotes about Steve Jobs is Ed Catmull talking about how we got the nice Steve and Apple got the, you know, the mean Steve, right? Because how we led at Pixar 
was different because different contexts, different objectives than how he left, uh, how he led at Apple. So um, almost like you set that one up because it's a perfect example of, of kind of that, that flexibility that you talk about in leading with strategic thinking. So this, this book is, is out. Um, the idea needs to spread. We're doing our part to make sure it spreads. And I'm sure the class kind of helps that. But I'm wondering what else is, uh, what's next for you both uh, along this lines or what's next for you along any new lines? Uh, yeah, I'll go first on this one. So, you know, what's next for me is kind of come out of a lot of the reactions we're getting from this book. And it's around uh, how much leaders can adapt. I think there's a lot of, you know, appreciation for the need to adapt uh, as we've gone out and done talks like this. You know, people really, you know, see that, you know, particularly because of all the volatility in industries these days, you know, the, the leadership of the past or the business models of the past uh, need to be reconsidered and, and, you know, leaders are facing those challenges. But I got to say, I, we, I've gotten, a f I think we've both gotten a f some skepticism when we've talked with folks who ask us, how much can people really change? And I think that's a really interesting question. I'm a firm believer that they can, but you know there are obviously limits. And I think you know some people tend towards the style and the you know sort of leadership approach that works best for them uh, stylistically, and that's not necessarily always what's needed. So you know part of my job at Aon is helping us identify and groom you know executives, and so you know we have a lot of discussion around this, and it's an area my sort of next area of interest in research. And in terms of my next area of interest in research, probably will not involve a book or include a book, but it will probably be based on this particular title. Uh, I'm very interested in creating either a psychometric assessment or a simulation or a combination that would help individuals apply the lessons learned and the best practices that we outline in the book. Now that would be really cool, and we'll um, we'll keep an eye on for it. I think any anything that sort of teaches, and and really those those two things have some synergy between them, right? Because I think maybe one of the possible reasons why leaders don't uh, change their styles or don't think they can change their styles as much is that they just haven't had a safe environment to practice a different style with. So anything in the simulation front, et cetera, I think is is a really good idea. As as you know, there's there's the the idea, and then there's the practice. And Leader Lab as a podcast is all about bridging that gap. You two are as well. So anything we can do to help spread the word on any of that, uh, more than willing. In the meantime, the book again, Leading with Strategic Thinking. Aaron BK, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab. Oh, David, thank you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity.